The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. All right, Farrell on the bench. Into the second hour we go with Mafia. So I was talking about uh, Dwayne Haskins, right? And, uh, I just don't believe any of this. <laughs> this is just such BS is what that is, uh, that he's got a, a gastro problem for four days. Uh, you know, he missed the game uh, Sunday because of an illness. And uh, I say my ass to that. He missed the game Sunday because he got benched. He missed the game Sunday because he got benched from starter to third string. He missed the game because they brought Kyle Allen in to start and put Alex Smith into the number two and made him the number three. And then, of course, Allen went down and Alex Smith played the whole game. And Haskins was never there for any of it because they sent his ass home. And then you're telling me that, um, you know, he shows up. uh, He was at the facility Monday when he showed up Wednesday. He said he was sick again. And the doctors checked him out and gave him medicine. He took a COVID test and then was sent home. Ron Rivera said his sickness is not COVID, but gastrointestinal. Okay, so here's the deal. His demotion has led to everyone talking about it, right? And then there was talk about uh, would he uh, he wants to be traded, uh, but they you know Rivera wouldn't comment on that. He said, "I'm not talking about uh, football business. We'll cross uh, the bridges as we get to them." So, well, what other business is there to talk about than football business when you interview the head coach of the football team talking about the football business and the football operation and the football players? What else is there to talk about? There's nothing else to talk about. Answer the question, you know, uh, does the guy want to be traded or not? Well, first of all, nobody wants him, okay? Now, I'll tell you the rest of the story when I come back because it gets even better. Dwayne Haskin has a gastrointestinal problem. My ass. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. 
I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Anyway, uh, for all in the bench, uh, Haskins, of course, uh, got sent home again today. And um, then they started talking about uh, that there's been no request for a trade from his camp. And there's also a report that says not one team has called uh, Washington about Haskins' availability. And then uh, the team says, in not so many words, that they want Haskins to allegedly, quote, learn from the benching and the reasons behind it, lackadaisical practice habits, and not putting in enough time away from the facility during the week to prepare for games, and that it has, quote, frustrated coaches and teammates, end quote. Um, you know, then Rivera says there was a lack of offseason and the preseason. It didn't help him. Uh, and then both Allen and Smith have experience in uh, Scott Turner's offense. And then he said, this is an opportunity for him to learn and grow and develop. I have not quit on Haskins as far as his development. And then he said he's hopeful that he returns to practice tomorrow. Uh, he practiced in each practice session last week. He woke up Sunday feeling sick and was told to go home. So. Bottom line is, Allen was told to keep his uh, diving to a minimum during games. And he shouldn't be diving uh, for a first down in traffic as he did on Sunday. <laughs> they want him to be smarter than that. But the bottom line is, Allen's going to start this week, not Smith, if Allen's uh, feeling good. Uh, you know, I guess day of game. But I do not believe for one minute this whole story about Dwayne Haskins having a stomach ache. Uh, for four days. I, I just don't believe it. I mean, he showed up Monday fine, didn't he? And then, I don't know about Tuesday. I know today he had a stomach ache again. Now listen, you know what this reminds me of? This is like some kid going to school and he hates school. And he uh, goes to the doctor's office in the school in junior high school and says he's got a stomach ache and he just fakes it and gets to go home. You know? I, I'm so sick. Oh, oh, I just feel horrible. You don't have a temperature. Oh, but I just have the worst. I, I've been going to the bathroom. It's horrible. I need to go home. I'm miserable. Call my mom. And then you go home and you're blowing bong rips up in the bedroom. Bottom line is, I just don't believe Dwayne Haskins. I'm sorry. I don't believe it. I don't believe that he's sick. I don't believe that he was sick on Sunday. I think Sunday 
He totally freaked out because he's immature. He didn't like being benched. And I do believe, even though they're saying they've never requested a trade, the minute that guy got uh, sent down to third string, I went on coast to coast and Pharrell on the bench and said, he wants out because he's not going to handle it well. He's, he's young. He's obviously uh, immature, in my opinion. He's been spoon-fed all the BS at Ohio State and everywhere else his whole life, how great he is. Then he gets to the NFL. And he's on a miserable football team. Let's face facts. They're miserable. They're terrible. And they've been terrible for a long time, right? And so he finally gets to be the starting quarterback. And then he's terrible. Let's face it. He's been terrible. And then he's as bad as they are, right? So he reminds me, I said today on Coast to Coast, he reminds me, he's Cardale Jones. That's who he is. He's just, he's so average. It's not even funny. Now, people can sit here and listen to me right now and say I'm crazy, but I mean, the proof's in the pudding. He's terrible. <laughs> and then if I'm so wrong, where's all the phone calls for his you know, services? Nobody wants him. He's no different than Le'Veon Bell. Now, the reason Le'Veon Bell's going to get a deal is because he's going to be free. <laughs> he's going to be free because the Jets are paying him $6 million the rest of the season. And the team that gets him when he clears waivers is going to pay him nothing. And they don't have to honor the $8 million guaranteed contract for injury next year. Nobody has to pay him jack. So, of course, he's going to have people lined up to offer him jobs. Now, when he clears waivers, watch, he'll have five offers. But this guy, Haskins, he's in his rookie deal, and he's already, let's face it, he's like a malcontent. He's got benched. And then the day of his benching, he gets a stomachache. And then... The week after his benching, he knows he's not playing. So he gets another stomachache four days later. Come on. Like, you're not really buying this, are you? And the coach won't talk about it. I'm not talking about football business. Well, then why should we talk to you at all? What What are we going to talk about? Your trips to the hospital? I mean, I don't. What do you want to talk about then? Let's talk about your your star alleged young quarterback that you drafted and, and let's see what the problem is here. But he's like, we just want him to learn from this. We want him to understand why he was benched. Well, he was benched because he sucks and he's not doing anything. And then if the reports are true about his, uh, you know, activity at the, at the facility where he doesn't work hard. And then when he's away from the facility, he doesn't work hard, which means he just doesn't put in the hours and the effort and the, you know, playbook and everything else, knowing what's wrong. Like if you're on a team that's terrible, don't you need to work even harder to figure out what the problems are and rectify them and, you know, know the playbook better, know what's wrong with the offense, start making, uh, you know, changes uh, that will fix those issues, do everything you can work your ass off first in last out type guy. But they're saying that he's not, you know, doing those things. And that coaches and teammates don't like it. Well, that's Portuguese for they don't like him. Okay? That's what that means. I've been around this for 35 years. This kid's not fooling me. He's, he, you know what he is? He's got benched. 
and he's not having it. He's a malcontent because he's been spoon-fed his whole life how great he is, and then he gets drafted, and then he's not playing now, and he's what he's turned into his little pouting crybaby. And then he uh, makes up, in my opinion, his little stomach problem on Sunday. Are you? Is there a person on the face of the earth that believes on Sunday, the day he gets benched to number three in their rotation and the depth chart, that he's got a stomach ache? <laughs> There's someone that actually believes that. <laughs> Who believes that? Like, I, I mean, are you kidding me? Like, uh, you know, I, it's like the little kid that get, wakes up in the morning and says, I don't feel good, mom, because he's enjoying his, you know, 10 hour sleep and he doesn't want to get out of bed and go to school. It's snowing outside. He's got to, you know, track up to the bus stop and get on the bus and snowing and blowing. He doesn't want anything to do with it. He just tells his mom he's sick. I'm sick, mom. Feel terrible. Horrible stomach ache. I've been in the bathroom for hours. Can't go. I can't do it. Meanwhile, school sucks. It's no different than the Redskins. The Redskins are just like school. The Redskins suck. Going to school sucks. So you just lie to your mom and tell her you're sick. And then suddenly the school, the school calls up and tells you, Hey, uh, your son's missed 20 days of school this year. We're having a problem. <laughs> Little junior. He just, he's constantly got gastro problems. You know, he learned that trick from uh, Dwayne Haskins, who doesn't like the way he's being treated by the Washington football team and his benching. So suddenly now he has stomach problems. What's next? Shingles? <laughs> I mean, honestly, and no one wants him. It, they say he doesn't want to trade that. I don't believe that either. I, I don't think that guy wants to play one more minute in his career for the Washington football team or whatever the Pharrell you call them nowadays. The Redskins. You know, I can't keep track of all their nicknames and changes. They're still the same miserable, lousy, laughable hack football team that they've been for the last 20 years. And they did a great job drafting that hack, too. You know what he'll be doing? He'll be uh, playing in the XFL in 2022. Mark my words. Malcontent, stomach ache. Are you kidding me? How many days can you have a stomach ache? <laughs> I mean, honestly, Mafia's like, do you feel better today? I'm in Vegas. I'm like, yeah, I ate like 12 Imodiums. I'm good to go. He's like, here, have a double espresso. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you. Because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
So still 4-2 Astros. Bottom of the eighth, Altuve's up. Nobody out. And it looks like they're going to get this game to me. And uh, they'll play again tomorrow. So it'll be game five tomorrow. And uh, the Astros look at this point like they'll survive. Uh, they're three outs away from uh, forcing a game five. So they'll play again tomorrow. And the Dodgers blew out the Braves 15-3. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. But a uh, couple things. The Tyson, I don't know if you saw that interview that he did with this, uh, what's his name, Piers Morgan or whatever. I don't know anything about, like, I remember when that guy was like on CNN or something at one point or another when he was doing interviews and stuff. And, and this was a uh, interview, I think in like London and I could be wrong. All I know is I saw the reaction to it, right. That everybody was uh, tripping on Mike Tyson, that he was acting strangely and that he was bizarre and he was mumbling and he was slurring and everybody thought he was on drugs and he wasn't making sense. And uh, that, and then he said that, uh, you know, later afterwards when everybody started shredding him, that he was tired and that, um, you know, he's been training so hard for the fight with Roy Jones and, and that he's been, you know, promoting the fight and, uh, traveling and promoting and doing all this stuff that he was just, uh, you know, tired. Meanwhile, uh, people were like freaked out by the interview that he was really bizarre. And, uh, you know, what's weird about Mike Tyson is, is that I was, you know, asked about this fight uh, at least, I mean, I, I think like at least 50 times in the last, you know, since they broke the news that, that he was going to fight. Right. And they're like, you know, he's going to fight Roy Jones and it became a story. Right. And I was like, all right. So. I went on with it on the air and saying, we remember we were talking about it on coast to coast and we talked about it on for all events that like, you know, here we go. They're going to have this exhibition or whatever you want to call it. And uh, they're going to put these two old timers in the ring and they're going to fight. And they're, you know, Tyson claims he's not taking any money. It's all for charity and all this other nonsense. Uh, first of all, I've, I've been asked about it since like 50 times, wherever I go, I go to the gym and work out in the morning and, so I box a lot and kickbox a lot and karate a lot like mafia. And I, I'm always working on the bag every day. I do like 25 minutes straight of punching and kicking. And so people see me and they know me and cause I'm there all the time. I'm like a, a regular and I run the basketball league with mafia and you know, we're pretty well known there that it's Pharrell and it's not a big deal to me. I'm a normal dude. But people are always coming up to me and they always ask me about Mike Tyson. And it's like the creepiest thing ever, because I have to tell you, I could give a rat's ass about Mike Tyson. Right. So uh, I am not caught up in Mike Tyson's comeback or world or his, you know, training or his Roy Jones fight or anything. Uh, everyone that asks me, I tell them the same thing. And I'll tell you the same thing. This guy, just so you know. At the end of his career, when he fought, and I went to 20 Mike Tyson fights, and he was great when he was young. There's no denying how uh, evil he was and powerful and vicious and scary. And they're literally, I think fighters were afraid of him. I've never seen a guy get into the ring and scare his opponents before the fight started like Mike Tyson. Like, there were guys like Spinks who was scared to death of him. That's all there is to it. 
And uh, he would end fights faster than anyone I ever saw. Now, fair enough. Like, I'm giving him all the respect he deserves, in my opinion. I thought he was an incredible show for when it lasted, when he was young. But when he was finished, when it was over, and like his last few fights, I'll never forget, he, he stood in the ring one night and he said, I got nothing left. I'm shot. I'm finished. I'm done. I can't take this anymore. I can't beat anyone. And I'm getting knocked out by bums. And obviously, Mafia knows I'm, I'm telling the truth. Like, he remembers. No one can forget the end of his career. Like, his last few fights were so embarrassing that it was like, the, it was the biggest story ever that, you know, Mike Tyson had uh, become nothing and that he was, you know, completely washed and done and that it was over and how it ended. And it was just so sad because he became pathetic. And then even in one fight, he stood up and said, I'm only here for the money. He said, I have nothing left in my hands. I have no ability left in my body to fight. I don't even want to be here. I don't want to fight at all. I don't even want to hit anyone. I'm not mad enough to punch anyone anymore. I just need the money for my family. And he said, I'm here to take care of my family. I'm, you know, I have. I have obligations and I'm broke and I need to fight for, for the money. I only am here for the money. Like when you see these things and you watch this and you hear these things and then it is so unbelievable to me and it's so pathetic to me. It really is that they would actually allow this guy to come back and fight again. Uh, it's to me, it's laughable. I do not think that they should allow it. Uh, I think it's a joke. I think it's nothing more than a waste of time. I think it's um, people are fascinated when they hear Mike Tyson. Trust me when I tell you uh, they've been showing him training, right? And hitting the pads and, and working with his trainer and throwing hands and fast. And he looks violent and he looks aggressive. and. He looks like he's just fantastic, right? Do not be fooled, people, by this nonsense. That's what it is. Like, I can throw punches. I can go out there and throw 100 miles an hour for 25 straight minutes and just kick and punch and, and wail and throw crosses and hooks and, and jabs and haymakers and body blows. And I can kick and I can roundhouse. Mafia knows. He does it. I do it. I can do it. Yeah, I, you know, Mayweather's been in my studio and seen me uh, rabbit punch and uh, throw hands for 60 seconds and look like I'm a fighter. And he's like, that, you got great hands. And then that's all Mike Tyson's doing is throwing punches for a minute. And they put a video out like he's in some kind of shape. That guy at the end of his career, Kevin McBride, you name it. There wasn't one guy. I mean, Peter McNeely, who didn't beat his ass? Every like every hack, fat slob, white guy in the face of the earth beat his ass. He would have killed every one of those fighters in his prime. He would have destroyed them. They wouldn't have lasted one round. And then in the end, these just bottom feeders were beating his ass. And I'm sorry. I just don't like, look, if I'm the commission in Nevada or in California, wherever the hell they're going to license this fight, I wouldn't if I was running the commission, I wouldn't allow it. 
Uh, you know, you got to have some stones and just say, this is not happening on my watch. I'm not, I'm not having this because first of all, it's dangerous. It's stupid. It's meaningless. It's not going to amount to anything. Do people really think, do they actually really think that Mike Tyson's making a comeback? And how stupid are you? Seriously, I, I'm asking because I know you're, I know you're stupid if you actually believe Mike Tyson's making a comeback. Mike Tyson isn't uh, fighting anybody. And let me tell you something. Roy Jones even knows that he's finished. They're both finished. They're both done. This is just a joke is all it is. This is a show. This is some kind of a uh, like a performance, like a, they're trying to pull the wool over your eyes. Like either one of them have anything left. I legitimately don't believe that either one of them could go three, four rounds. Like all out. For three, four rounds. I don't believe it. I think in two rounds, Tyson and Jones will look like they're about ready to keel over. And then this guy, De La Hoya. Are you kidding me? And no one knows Oscar more than me. Okay? I've been around Oscar five million times. Mafia is my witness for the last 20 years. I've been around. I know him. I'm friends with him. I've seen him fight. I've seen him. I've seen every fight of his career. I've seen him in business. I've seen him in rehab. I've seen him drunk. I've seen him high. I've seen everything. I've seen it all. And now this clown is having another comeback. He's making a comeback, too. And they showed him standing uh, in his training facility the other day, uh, throwing hands. And, and hitting mitts and hitting gloves and working. And it's just so ridiculous. It's not even funny. It, it really is. It's so, it, it's so pathetic to me that I, I, have, I have no idea why they, what is the fascination? What is people's uh, lure of watching these guys that at the end of their rope, they were finished anyway. They were done. They were shot. They had nothing left. They had nothing in their punch. They couldn't take a punch. They couldn't do anything. And yet, here they come to fight again. I'm like, are you kidding me? What is wrong with the world? I want to watch Lomachenko and uh, Tiafimo Lopez fight. I want to watch Gervonta Davis and Leo Santa Cruz fight. And I want to watch Errol Spence fight Danny Garcia. I don't want to watch fat old Mike Tyson fight completely washed up and finish Roy Jones and then watch junkie Oscar go fight. Are you kidding me? I said this on the air. I'll say it again. Drug test his ass every single day until the fight and there'll be no fight. I don't even want to hear it. Everybody knows that he parties. There's no one in boxing that doesn't think he's high, that doesn't think he uses and drinks and does drugs. Everybody knows what he's done. It's public record. I mean, the guy's been busted. He's he failed 50 drugs. He's been in rehab 15 times and you're going to trust him. Jesus, I have seen it all. What is wrong with these people? Seriously. I've been watching this guy on the race. I think their entire lineup has been unbelievable. They, I mean, they're about to lose this game. Um, they're in the uh, ninth inning, and Lau strikes out. And my point is exactly that. Lau 
has been the absolute, the only player on the Rays, literally the only player, that uh, he couldn't get a hit if they threw an underhanded to him. This guy is having the slump of ages for Tampa. He hasn't, and literally, I don't think he's had a hit in their entire run in the playoffs since it started. I mean, this guy is slumping like no other. He is missing pitches by three feet. That's how bad he's been. He's been okay at second base, but uh, he is just an automatic out at the plate. I mean, this guy couldn't get a hit if they literally were throwing wiffle balls at him. I mean, he couldn't hit if they threw a beach ball at him. I mean, I've never seen a guy struggle like that in my life, like that badly. Like the guy couldn't get a hit if they if he paid him to let him get on base. But, you know, whatever. Here's the deal. Uh, all these guys in trouble, right? The police blotters in full uh, regalia. So, you know, uh, Melvin Gordon gets the Dewey Tuesday night in Denver. And they're talking about uh, Fangio. We still love him. And he said, my kids have disappointed me in the past, but I still love them. And we're going to love Melvin. And But what we're going to do is uh, there's going to be consequences for his actions Tuesday night. He got popped for a DUI. Uh, allegedly drunk driving. Uh, so uh, until the facts are all in and the, you know, I have a lot of friends that are DUI lawyers and they all make a lot of money and they get drunks out of DUI arrests is what they do. Uh, by the time they're done with the trial and the time uh, that they spend, uh, you know, going over uh, the case with the cops, uh, that arrested the drunk driver. By the time these lawyers are done with those cops, the cops are the ones drunk and they're the ones driving the car and the guy that they arrested wasn't even there. So, you know, a guy like Melvin Gordon can get a Dewey on a Tuesday night and I guarantee you in six months when his case finally goes in front of a judge, he wasn't even there. So they got him on a DUI Tuesday night and they held him out of practice today and sent him home until they get to the bottom of it. The bottom of it is, uh, is are you kidding me? Is this guy just hit a two-run? No, it's off the wall. They had a, a shot to the wall, and now they're going to score a run. It's 4-3. I thought the ball was going to be gone. He literally hit it off the top of the wall, a double. I thought it was gone. When I saw it hit his uh, bat, Adamas, I thought it was going over the wall when it left his bat in left center, the deepest part of the uh, ballpark. I thought it was gone, and I thought it was going to be a game-tying two-run homer with uh, two outs. And I thought that that was what I was seeing, but it hit the top of the wall and missed by about a foot. And then uh, they get the one run home. So now Adamas, he's at second uh, with two outs. And they have a chance. Let's see how close it was. It was about four feet. It hit the bottom of the wall. It didn't hit the top of the wall. So it was short. But I'm telling you, he missed it by a foot or two on his bat. It, it, it was probably a few inches from on his bat from being a home run. The whole bench thought it was the dugout went crazy. They thought it was a home run with two outs and a runner on. But it's 4-3 now. He's at second with two outs. They got to get a hit to bring him in. Otherwise, they lose. So uh, anyway, what I was saying about Gordon uh, from the Broncos, he just signed a $16 million deal or whatever to play for the Broncos. He got a two-year deal. So, and he actually played pretty well. Now the wild pitch gets the runner to third. It's not going to matter, though. They can't get him in with a sack fly. They still need a hit. 
or a, frankly, another wild pitch. So anyway, um, the guy gets popped. We don't know the details of the arrest and everything, if he's going to get off on these charges. But I know this, they're going to, they said they're going to have consequences for what happened on Tuesday night. So we'll find out Thursday or Friday. They said they'll come out with an announcement on what's going to happen to Melvin Gordon uh, later in the week. But when you think about him uh, and you think about like Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas of the Saints, we've talked about him on Coast to Coast and Pharrell on a bench as well. He's got problems. Uh, and, you know, these are the kind of problems that break up marriages, right? This guy, uh, Gets in a fight at practice, allegedly. Uh, the story goes, right, that he got in a fight with another player. And then it, and then when that was over, he got in a fight with Sean Payton, right? So the fight with Sean Payton is what has led to them now finding him, I think, maybe a combo meal for the fight with the player and then the fight with Payton. I think they fined him like $59,000 or something. I don't know how they came up with that number. But that's allegedly, am I about right on that, Mafia? I think that's the number. It's like they find him 59 grand. So, I, I, look, I think the guy, uh, you know, this is what happens. What's going to happen is simple. He's not going to like it. So I guarantee you, my feeling initially will be that he's angry about the team doing that to him. That's what I think. I think he's going to, how much is the fine, Mafia? You're right. It's like $58,823, something like that. It's just under fifty nine grand. you are correct. Okay, so uh, there you go. He's got a, a $59,000 fine, and he's, uh, you know, don't tell me he's not upset with that. Don't tell me that uh, Mike Thomas doesn't like the fact that they've slapped him with a, you know, basically a $60,000 fine for his uh, actions and his uh, insubordination, whatever you want to call it. First of all, you can't get in a fight. Like J.J. Watt was getting in a fight with Bill O'Brien. Uh, Mike Thomas gets in a fight with uh, Sean Payton. These are not the kind of people that you want to get in a fight with. Now, Watt is lucky because he's got way more juice than Bill O'Brien. Uh, Bill O'Brien was on his way out. He was fired. But Sean Payton's not going anywhere in, in New Orleans. And you want to fight with him with his tenure and his juice and status in the NFL. Um and in New Orleans, and with that owner, the Bensons, and with the franchise. I mean, Sean Payton is God for the New Orleans Saints. Mike Thomas is their best player. He's their best receiver. Here's a drive, but it's caught right before the uh, warning track to end the game. So uh, the Japanese player, I forget his name, Tsugo, whatever it is, he drove it to the warning track, but it wasn't good enough. Sure enough, the home run that hit the bottom of the wall by Adamus, that was the chance to tie the game. You knew they wouldn't get him home. And so the game ends 4-3, and they'll play game five tomorrow. So uh, the Astros stay alive with their lousy bullpen, barely getting the job done. But they got the win. That's all that matters. So anyway, Thomas is the Saints' best player, right? So he's, you know, he knows he's the best player on the team. He is. He's better than Drew Brees, better than all of them. He's the best player they got. He's better than Kamara. He's better than all of them. And he knows that he's the man. And so now they have treated, in his view, in his mind, I'm telling you, he's the star player and they're treating him crappy. They're fining him 60 grand, basically, for his insubordination and his fight with a teammate and his fight with uh, Sean Hayden. So I know he's got a big deal. 
and all the rest. But I, I firmly believe that when you do that to a guy of his uh, stature, that he's not going to like it and he's not going to be happy. And then I believe that this incident will go into uh, a permanent place in the closet where he will keep that close to the vest and, uh, frankly, never forget it. He's not going to uh, believe me, you at some point that thing's coming out of that closet. He's going to bring it up again when he's scoring touchdowns in the playoffs. Uh, or, you know, he's going to say, you know, maybe they should find me for all the touchdowns I'm having in the postseason because, you know, he's going to bring it up again. Uh, these cocky athletes that make all the money, the star players that they don't nobody tells them what to do. Uh, they're all narcissists. They're not putting up with it. They don't take advice from anybody. They don't even, they barely listen to these head coaches. They don't, whatever, practice anything else. They don't listen to them. They just do what they, they get paid millions to perform on Sundays. And then I understand I've been in the league. I've traveled with the Steelers. I've been uh, at every game for years on end. And I know that they work hard in, in films and in meetings. And I know how they roll. Uh, and I know how they travel because I've traveled with them. I know how everything works. And so I know they have to work their ass off uh, as a professional football player. It's no joke. And it's gotten more intense as the years have gone by. I mean, these guys are drowning in meetings, drowning in them. I mean, they got more meetings than you can shake a stick at. Like you have no idea in your job what it's like uh, to go to meetings until you're like in an NFL meeting every single day of your life for eight to 10 hours. You'll lose your mind. They make them sit in film rooms all day and they grind them down and make them understand their mistakes and, and what they're trying to accomplish in their game plans. Right. So uh, but the reality of it is, is that superstar players like star quarterbacks and and superstar receivers, that's all that matters in the NFL anymore. Right. The, the quarterback and the wide receiver, the star player. The, the guy that catches all the passes and the guy that throws it to him, those are the two highest paid players in football, right? Without a doubt. And then they pay linemen uh, that are in the trenches a lot of money. And then they'll pay one big pass rusher money. And then uh, they don't pay running backs, barely. I mean, a few of them make money. The rest of them make nothing. And then, I mean, you know, it's funny. Uh, you, you pay the receivers uh, tons of money. Uh, they pay corners decently. Because they have to guard them. But uh, in my opinion, they don't, you know, most superstar players, they don't listen. They don't listen to anybody. Because they know that they're a badass. They know that they're the best player on a team. And <laughs> you can coach, you can talk, it goes in one ear, out the next. Talk to me all day, brother, because I'm not listening. <laughs> I do whatever I want, because on Sundays, I perform at a high level. Can you imagine trying to tell Randy Moss uh, what's wrong with his uh, route running? Can you imagine trying to tell that guy uh, there's something wrong with him going up uh, 10 feet in the air and making catches with one hand and scoring touchdowns and, uh, you know, whatever, mossing people? You've been mossed. Can you imagine trying to tell that guy? Can you imagine trying to coach Deion Sanders primetime? He didn't listen to his college coaches, let alone his uh, NFL coaches. I don't care who he played for. I don't care who any of them played for. They all act like they're in order, like they're military and they're rank and file, but they're anything uh, 
but that they don't, you know, they beat to their own drum. Superstar players walk on the field and, you know, they know that the only thing that matters is Sunday. All the rest of it is just a waste of time in their book. In their mind, it's just a pain in their ass. That's it. It's that's all there is to it. And if I'm wrong, look at uh, I guarantee you Thomas isn't happy with that fine. And I guarantee you that Haskins kid isn't sick. He's just upset that he's been benched because he sucks. So he's throwing a little temper tantrum because he's like a child to begin with. And so he's so raw in the league. And then no one's going to treat him this way. He's Dwayne Haskins. Let me tell you something, bro. You don't matter at all. At all. I mean, you have like your stock is like you're a penny stock now in the NFL. Here's another guy that thinks he's a badass. Le'Veon Bell. You know why he's a badass? Because he sucked. 28 million out of the Jets and another 6 million this year, and he's worthless. Le'Veon Bell isn't worth $100. His game is shot. So uh, if you think these guys listen to these coaches, you're imagining things. Astros win it, stay alive. Dodgers blowout win, 15-3. They'll play again tomorrow, both of them. Uh, and Houston's uh, still breathing, and we'll see if they can do it again. They almost gave up the game-tying two-run shot there from Adamas in the ninth. But uh, they got it done, and we'll uh, play another day. So uh, Morenzi's up next with Sports Rage. I want to ask Gabe. So the Bills got whacked last night. I know you uh, saw all that. The real question is, though, without White and without your top two corners and with Norman looking uh, like, I don't know, 80 years old out there getting pushed around and just used – uh, you have to be in fear of that game against the Chiefs in Buffalo on Monday. Yeah, especially considering the Kansas City Chiefs got uh, got beaten uh, by the Las Vegas Raiders, of course. So now the Bills have to deal with an angry Kansas City Chiefs uh, team. Yeah, last night was ugly, man. They lost in all facets uh, of the football game. You know, they 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 were due they were due for a poor performance, but they got their ass handed to them. Yet, you know, Scotty, so much is made. And, you know, Josh Allen could do so much and he won't get credit. But then, you know, as soon as they lose a game, the trolls come out of the woodwork again. But I've maintained this for years. And I was in the minority in the past, bro. But Ryan Tannehill is good. And, you know, Ryan Tannehill is 16-4 and as a starting quarterback with the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill actually was winning games with a crap-ass Adam Gase and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Tannehill's a winning quarterback, 53 and 49 in his career, 16 and four right now with the Titans. And, you know, you saw even the Bills, Derrick Henry didn't do very much, but they still, they were able to throw the ball. The Titans are a definite Super Bowl contender, Scotty. They're the real deal. They're cheaters, yeah, no but they're doubt. the real deal. And they'll probably push around the Texans on Sunday in Smashville as well. Uh, anyway, I still think the Bills are a really good team, but they definitely don't look the same without their top two corners. Uh, Sports Rage is next. Have a great show, uh, Marenzi. Love you. Uh, Mafia, great job. I'll see you guys tomorrow on Coast to Coast at 4 p.m. Eastern on Sports Grid. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.